For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to another episode of the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin on the Twitters for as long as that's still going right. Uh, welcome once again to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. Today's show is going to be focusing... On the secondary, we're taking a look at the depth charts at cornerback and safety. Uh, of course, Falcons training camp just a little a uh, little under two weeks away uh, at the time you're listening to this episode. So exciting times. We're getting closer and closer. We also started talking about the top battles to watch overall live on Falcoholic Live on Wednesday's show, uh, which is up now on YouTube and on the podcast feed as well. If you want to get some insight from Adnan and from our special guest, Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons. So definitely check that show out as well. If you're looking for more of that sweet, sweet training camp content, if you're just tuning in to this series for the first time, we've covered almost the entire roster already. Uh, you can go back on YouTube. We have a playlist of all the Falcons training camp previews and coverage we've done. So you can go back and see all of the offense as well as uh, some of the other defensive positions. And then, of course, we'll wrap this series up uh, on the next episode with linebacker and special teams. So we're coming into the home stretch, guys, of content prior to training camp. Uh, it's obviously going to be real exciting as we get closer and on the note of training camp. We are still running our training camp fundraiser to cover travel costs for the show to get down to Atlanta. So if you're interested in helping us out with that, you can check it check it out on Streamlab, uh, streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. All those uh, donations this month are going to training camp. We really appreciate that. Also, of course, like, subscribe on YouTube. Leave us that five-star review on, that, on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, follow us, Falcoholic Live. All that good stuff, guys. We really appreciate that. As we get into today's episode, I uh, do want to thank today's sponsors. First of all, betonline.ag, your number one source for all your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Perhaps you're feeling confident in the Falcons to win the NFC South or some other NFL team future bet. You can do those right now before the rest of the league catches up after training camp. Maybe you think the whole Jets situation is going to crash and burn and you want to bet on the under on those wins. You can do that too. But no matter what you decide to do, BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season as they've got you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And of course, today's episode is also brought to you by Blue Chew. Guys, no, it could be awkward, but let's talk about sex. 
Remember the days when you were ready to always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Look, guys, BlueChew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. Man. That, that one just gets me every time. Great job, Blue Chew. And we've also got a special deal for our listeners. You can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code BUCKET. That's B-U-C-K-E-T. At checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code BUCKET to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew once again for sponsoring the podcast. All right, guys, let's dive right in. We're going to start things off with cornerback. Falcons currently have nine corners on the roster. That's down a little bit from earlier in the offseason when I think they had as many as 12 at one point. Uh, So that's obviously a lot of guys. But look, uh, the Falcons have a a relatively, I think, settled like top two. But other than that, I think it's pretty wide open. So this is one of, I think, the more interesting uh, like position groups to watch on defense in general. But let's start with the roster locks. I've got four guys in this roster lock category. Obviously, A.J. Terrell, number one. Jeff Okuda, the Falcons traded with the Detroit Lions to acquire this offseason. We also have veteran signing Mike Hughes. And then rookie fourth rounder Clark Phillips III. All these guys, I think, are pretty much 100% safe roster locks. With A.J. Terrell, right, it's it's obvious number one corner on this team. Uh, last year was a little bit up and down for Terrell based on, you know, the ridiculous standard he set in 2021 where he was arguably the NFL's best cornerback, which is crazy. Um, Terrell, last year, I think, had a little bit of uh, some struggles early on, gave up some big plays, didn't play poorly, but wasn't at the same level as 2021, did have an injury. When he came back from the injury, I thought he was back at 2021 level. I think he finished the season extremely well. I think whatever issues he had early in the season, he sort of fixed it mentally, you know, film-wise, whatever it was. He started playing at that high level once again in the second half of the 2022 season. And I think that's hopefully where he will return. And I'm very confident, obviously, in A.J. Terrell giving the Falcons that that top, that true number one corner that they need, whether he'll be on the spectrum of, like, elite number one corner to, like, just good number one corner. That seems to be sort of in flux. But look, it's a number one. He's a number one corner. He has the potential to be one of the best in, in the NFL and has done it. Um, corner just tends to be a volatile position in terms of year-to-year play. So I'm not exactly sure, but I think... I think this scheme is probably going to benefit him more. We're going to see a lot more man. I I do think he can play really well in man. I know that the Falcons have typically deployed him in mostly zone, and Dean Pease was very zone heavy typically. I I think the additional opportunities in man and Ryan Nielsen and Jerry Gray's defense will benefit him. So I'm excited to see what he can do there. And he just gives the Falcons a really good number one that, that can match up with just about anybody on the outside. Um, at number two, obviously, it's a, it's a bigger question mark. The Falcons made the trade for Jeff Akuda, who basically co- coming into the NFL as like a top three pick 
I mean, I, I don't think you could find a single person that didn't love Jeff Okuda's tape in college. I mean, it was incredible stuff. Um, some of the best cornerback tape I've ever seen. Drastically better tape than A.J. Terrell had in college. And it just didn't it didn't translate to the NFL. And a lot of that had to do with injuries. He had two season-ending injuries in his first uh, few seasons. And then he just sort of lost favor in Detroit. It seemed like the team more or less gave up on him. Um, They started seeding his snaps. They basically signed, you know, three other cornerbacks and were going to put Akuda on the bench. And I think it was smart for both sides for the Lions to move Akuda and for the Falcons to try to acquire him because the the talent is still there. This is still a young player. And now two years removed from that Achilles injury, which look, it, it typically takes 18 months to get back to full function from an injury like that. So the Falcons could be buying low on a on a player who still has his best football ahead of him and is maybe a better fit in this scheme. We'll see. You know, I just it's tough to say whether Akuda's poor play in Detroit was all on him or did it have something to do with the coaching staff? Did it have something to do with the lack of talent in Detroit's secondary all I know is that Detroit secondary was like the worst in the NFL last year. Obviously, Akuda was part of that. And, you know, coincidentally, Mike Hughes also part of that. But Mike Hughes, the previous season, and we'll talk about him in just a minute, you know, had a great year with Kansas City, goes to Detroit and is terrible. So I, I don't know if it's the players together that made just a bad unit or if it has something more to do with Detroit and their scheme and the way that the, the coaches are, are utilizing these guys. I, I I get skeptical when every single player in your secondary is awful that it can't just be the players because these I mean it's not like the Lions have a bunch of bums uh, I, I thought some of those guys had been good in previous stops and had showed some promise so I do think Akuda has a chance to to have a better year here and and resurrect his career I'm I don't think anyone should expect you know top three pick level play that you're probably going to be disappointed if you're expecting that but it's within the range of possible outcomes for Akuda that he could get there. And I think if he could just be a good corner two, that's really what the Falcons are hoping for. And I don't think that's unreasonable. I think he can get there, um, especially if he's more comfortable in the system. And especially if the secondary around him is, is significantly better here in Atlanta. I think it has the potential to be, especially with the back end, Jesse Bates, AJ Terrell, by far the best corner he's ever played with uh, across from him. That might be able to open up Akuda for a little bit of some easier assignments. I think Akuda, obviously, with his size, can be the type of guy to match up with the bigger receivers that AJ Terrell has struggled with at times, um, and and give the Falcons potentially a, a, a pretty good one-two duo at corner. And we'll just have to see how that translates. That the issue is that if Akuda doesn't play well on the outside, you know, I I don't know who the next man up is there. But we'll get to that, right? We'll, we'll get to that. Um, Next guy that I think is a pretty safe roster lock is Mike Hughes. Most of his salary this year is guaranteed. It is a two-year deal. So I think they would not they would lose a lot of money if they were to move on from Mike Hughes. So salary-wise, he's he's probably here. I also think Mike Hughes is just a good veteran corner. I don't think he's a huge needle mover for your defense. Now, if you look at his Kansas City tape from two years ago, then he was absolutely that. I think he was actually a good outside corner for Kansas City and was integral to their playoff run that year. And Mike Hughes does have that inside outside versatility. Allegedly he's going to play the slot here in Atlanta. I think he actually has played his best football on the outside, but you know, it, it, I don't think it would be bad if he played the slot. I, I I think that 
you know, his coach, Jerry Gray, this is the coach that drafted him essentially. Um, so maybe he has his, his vision for him in mind. Maybe he, he has an idea for how to get the most out of Mike Hughes. And I think Mike Hughes value to this team is going to be potentially a lot higher on special teams as well because of his kick and punt return ability with Avery Williams ending up on IR, unfortunately. Um, Mike Hughes probably is the favorite to be the punt returner. He was an elite returner in college, arguably the best college returner uh, in his draft year, and that's part of the reason he got drafted so high. So I think Hughes, he, he hasn't played a ton. I mean, he has returned in the NFL. It hasn't been as electric as his college days, but if he gets a chance here in Atlanta on a unit that has typically produced pretty good punt and kick return units under Marquise Williams, I think he could have a real shot to, to be an impact punt returner here. And obviously if he's the starting punt returner and a key piece in the secondary, he's 100% safe from an on-field perspective as well. So uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that Mike Hughes can provide at least veteran depth on the outside and inside. Maybe I think at worst, he's probably like your corner four. Um, so I, I do like Mike Hughes a lot. And I think that he's going to be a, a player that is a, a, a good fit here in Atlanta and is able to give the Falcons some depth at multiple spots. And then we have rookie Clark Phillips, the third, who I really like Clark Phillips. I just don't know what the path is for him to see the field early. I do think he's going to make the roster obviously. And I, I, don't know if he's going to be more of a factor in the slot or outside. He mostly played outside at the college level. I think his instincts and his play on the outside were drastically better than on the inside. And I I mean, if it was me personally, I would give him a shot outside first and see if he can be that sort of exception to the rule as he is a smaller corner. But you know, there are a few guys that have made that work. You know, DJ Reed with the the Jets is is a great example of that. Um, and I, I think I would give him a shot there first because that's where he was special in college. And maybe he's just a guy you use against the smaller guys. You don't make him match up against Mike Evans. You you let, you know, AJ Terrell and Jeff Okuda uh, shift around to cover those guys and shadow those top, those top big-time receivers. And you let Clark Phillips handle the smaller, shiftier guys, let him make plays on the ball. You know, and, and I think cross-training him and getting him more prepared to play the slot is a good idea. But again, he didn't do it a ton in college. And when he did, he just didn't look as comfortable and as instinctual. And that makes sense when you've played almost entirely outside, going to the insides. It's a different position, guys. I mean, it, it, there's still a CB in front of your name, but it, the, the way you play it is a lot different. So I think it's possible he could be an elite nickel corner in time. But I think... It's not likely to happen immediately, and I would probably give him a shot outside first. But either way, I think he's going to be, at worst, like your CB5, CB4 sort of depth option. And I think if he has to come on the field, you're not going to see a big drop in play, especially if he's playing outside. Inside, it may take him some time to acclimate, but I I do think, I I maintain, like after the draft I said this, by the end of the season, I think Clark Phillips is going to be on the field somewhere. I don't know where. Um, but I think having this guy in your back pocket as like a break glass in case of emergency or like at worst, someone that's going to develop for a year and be ready to go next year, hopefully at one of these spots, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I think Clark Phillips is a really good prospect. So I'm excited to see what he can do here in Atlanta. So those are my four roster locks. Let's move on to the roster competitors and this is the remaining five guys because i think honestly all of these guys have a shot at the roster some i think have a much better chance than others and some of it also depends on if the whether the falcons keep five or six corners 
I tend to think it's going to be six, particularly because of one player on this list being able to play safety. Um, and I think that will that will help them maybe keep only four safeties and so they, they can make the roster math work a little bit there. Um, but these are the five guys I have as roster competitors. D. Alford, uh, Trey Flowers, the veteran signing, Darren Hall, uh, fourth-round pick from a couple of years ago, Breon Borders, who got suspended for a couple of games, so we'll see if he ends up sticking around or not, um, and then Cornell Armstrong, UDFA from last year, who ended up getting thrown into the lineup, had to play quite a bit. So this group, I think there's a clear top three here and then i think the the two on the bottom um are probably more practice squad guys but i mean i i I know that at least cornell armstrong was very popular with the previous staff so i think he's got a shot because of that and then breon borders i don't know what to think of him like if if they're gonna he's gonna be suspended to start the season so technically he he's not gonna be on the roster so maybe that could be a ticket to him coming back later i don't know um but D. Alford, I, I do think ultimately D. Alford's probably safe, to be honest. Um, I, I don't think he rises to the level of like 100% a roster lock, but I think D. Alford is probably safe. I like like 90% safe. So it, it's not a lock in the way that the other guys on this list were like for financial or draft reasons, but I think he's probably safe. Um, Trey Flowers is where it starts to get a little bit more dicey because I think with D. Alford, now you've got five corners. So there's probably there's room for if they keep six there's room for one more guy and i think that guy is likely to be either trey flowers or darren hall um trey flowers he's a matchup specialist corner who also can play safety because of his size trey flowers is a big big corner and he's a tight end coverage player um and it's he's a very unique corner he doesn't cover receivers very well at all if he's out there, he's going to be covering a tight end, but he's really good at covering tight ends. And I think I think it's worth keeping him just for that. If you're going against a team that is going to feature a tight end, he was known for how well he covered Travis Kelsey when he was with the Bengals, uh, particularly in that year that the Bengals ended up going to the Super Bowl. Um, he's always been a really good tight end coverage player. So if you're going against a team that's going to feature that tight end, he's, he's sort of like an ace in the hole that can give you really good ability to cover that tight end. He's a big corner. He's a good tackler, but he can't really do much against this, those shifty wide receivers. He's going to get embarrassed against those guys. So a unique player, someone who I think has some flexibility to play safety if needed or to play that big slot. Um, so I, I do think Trey Flowers is probably going to make it because he offers something that nobody else really does on the depth chart. But I think Darren Hall is the other guy to consider here. Darren Hall does offer that inside-outside flexibility, making him a really good depth piece. I honestly think Darren Hall, when called upon, has been solid starter. Um, not really impactful. I think he's had several good games, certainly. On the whole, I think more of an average starter. But look, I mean, I, I think that's fine for your sixth corner, your fifth corner. Um, they've just added so many players to this group that that sort of pushes him down to the point where now he's probably going to have to beat out either D. Alford or Trey Flowers to make the roster at this point. Um, and I don't think he'll stick on the squad. Like, I think someone will scoop him up if he gets cut, which that's a nice thing for the Falcons to have guys that, like, if they were to get cut, they would get scooped up and not just, you know, easily go back on the squad because that means your depth is a lot better than it used to be. So I I tend to think it's probably going to be Alford and Flowers in this group, but Darren Hall has an opportunity here to to stake a claim to his roster spot and still get this done. So the, the other two guys, they're probably more squad competitor types. Um, 
so I, I think I could have made a, a, a second group, but or a third group for this position. But I think honestly, I'm just going to stick with them being roster competitors just because I don't really know. I think Breon Borders is actually a pretty decent cornerback player. Like I, I think he, when he has had to play, he's been about a solid starter. Um, but with the suspension, I think that hurts him. I, I don't know if they're they're actually going to keep him around in camp or not. Maybe they are. But with, with Borders, I think he's more of that like fringe roster, more practice squad type of player. If And I think he might be insurance, like if Darren Hall gets poached, then then the Falcons want someone else to be able to stash on the squad. Um, and then Cornell Armstrong, again, a, a guy that really got thrust into a pretty difficult situation, having to play a lot of snaps as a starter, got kind of embarrassed, and then I think rebounded and had some some decent games as well. But I think it's clear that he's more of a depth piece, not someone you ever want starting. And I think that limits his appeal for the roster a little bit. But as a practice squad player, a guy that is an emergency fill-in, I think he's he's totally fine. I think he's an NFL caliber player. Um, but again, I think with all the depth they brought in ahead of him, it's going to be tougher for Cornell Armstrong to make, to make the roster this year. Um, so that's the, the cornerback group. Nine guys there. I, I tend to think they're going to keep six on the roster. Look for my you know roster proje- pre-camp roster projection to get the, the guys I think that will make it. I mean, I kind of already told you if you were if you were listening closely, but. Um, I think it's actually a strong group. I think it's stronger certainly than it's been in years past. And it has a lot of potential to surprise, right? Like there's, there's some high variance guys. Like if Jeff Okuda comes in and plays like number three overall pick Jeff Okuda, then this is maybe going to be one of the top secondaries in the NFL, top cornerback duos, you know, that sort of thing. If he's just sort of like good cornerback too, I think this is still a really good group. Um, and so we're just looking to see like who emerges at slot because maybe it is actually D Alford that ends up playing the slot. Apparently he's been starting early on in camp. Maybe Clark Phillips emerges. Maybe it is Mike Hughes. I, I don't know. They have a lot of options there. So that slot battle in particular, I think is going to be really interesting and, and one of the more impactful decisions that the team's going to make in terms of starters on this defense because it's really unsettled at this point and maybe it is going to be all along maybe it's D Alford that I should have had in roster locks and somebody else should have got pushed down but we'll see for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, let's move on to safety. We've got eight players in this group. This is another group that's had quite a quite an infusion of talent, mainly at the top. Um and that's going to make quite like a spread between the roster locks and the competitors and the squad competitors and so on. Eight safeties right now. Again, some of these guys, the Falcons have a lot of players just listed as like DB, not safety or corner. So it, it it's a little bit tricky to determine where some of these guys are going to play. So I'm going based off of where they played either in college or in the XFL or wherever. It's possible they asked some of these guys to play the slot or play corner or whatever. We'll see when we get to camp, but this is my best guess. Um, so I've only got two actual roster locks in the safety room, which I think should tell you that there's a lot of opportunity for the depth spots. And the two roster locks are pretty obvious, right? Uh, first of all, Jesse Bates, the third, and then Richie Grant, the second round pick from a couple years ago. So Jesse Bates, the third biggest team's biggest free agent addition, without a doubt. 
and just totally changes the complexion of the safety room, like in a massive way. Getting going from basically league average safety play to elite safety play. It's huge. Jesse Bates is a total eraser on the back end. He's a, a ball hawk. He's a great run defender, very sound tackler, very smart. He's going to be able to raise the ceiling of the secondary in a huge way. And just ho- hopefully he could just create some havoc and just cover up mistakes and, and allow the people in front of him to play a little bit more aggressively. And I think that that opens up a lot more flexibility especially in the front end and the ability to send blitzes and things like that if you know you've got jesse bates over the top to cover up any sort of mistakes or or to limit the ability for teams to fit throws into those windows that are going to open up when you get this aggressive blitzing which is what the Falcons are going to be doing with ryan nielsen so i think he's a perfect fit here i think it's gonna work out swimmingly i'm so excited to see jesse bates in a falcons uniform he's a great player great personality i'm excited to meet him at training camp and there's just it's hard to to under it's hard to like really underestimate what he can do like i mean i think it, it he is he is really important maybe one of the most important players on this defense and i think he's going to totally change the complexion of the pass defense in particular and re- elevate it from mid you know basically like mid 20s low 20s to like hopefully respectability maybe in that 15 ish range and that's i think what we're kind of hoping for is the defense to just take a step from well below average to bad to like average ish and i think if they can get there that's going to make a huge difference if they can get to 15 16 that's going to make a giant difference in what this defense is capable of and what this team is capable of, particularly with the ball control style that the Falcons play. If they could limit possessions, limit the exposure that this defense is going to have, it can cover up a lot of the shortcomings that may be out there. So Jesse Bates, a big part of that, obviously. And then Richie Grant uh, is going to be dependent on, I think, to be the second safety. I think it's clear that they view him that way. I think Grant, hopefully in this scheme, We'll have some opportunities to play a little bit more aggressively, play closer to the line of scrimmage, not have to cover quite as much ground on the back end, not have to to think quite as much. I think Grant's super instinctual and aggressive, but I think the further he gets from the line of scrimmage, the more thinking he does. And that, that I think, will come with time and experience that it gets quicker there. But I think his best position is probably, you know, either cover two safety, doing a deep half, or like closer to the line of scrimmage box type safety where he can really be dangerous with his instincts and and ability to pick off the ball. And he's a physical hitter too. So I I really like Grant closer to the line of scrimmage. I think he'll have an opportunity to, to make some plays, maybe to play some robber type stuff and maybe even do some, some Chauncey Gardner Johnson sort of slot safety style play. I think we could see that incorporated as well. And I, I, like Richie Grant in that role a great deal. I think he's got some some opportunity here to really entrench himself as, as a very good starter. And look, when you're playing next to Jesse Bates, it helps a lot, right? Because you can depend on him to to cover the deep third and and, and let you could play a little bit more aggressively as a result. So I, I'm excited to see what Richie Grant could do. I think he's going to be a good player in this defense. Um, but those are really the only two roster locks I have. I think after that, you get to sort of the roster competitor group. And I think... There's a lot of guys in here. There's four. And I think all of these guys have a legit chance to make the roster. Again, to, you know, do they keep four? Do they keep five safeties? That's the big question. I tend to think it's going to be four because of the the number of corners they're going to want to carry. And they have like a more of a specialist guy in Trey Flowers. So this group is, is going to be dicey. There's going to be a lot of competition here. But I think 
we're going to see two of these guys emerge and, and make the roster at least, and maybe a fifth if one of these guys really stands out. Um, but Jalen Hawkins, I think, is definitely in this group. Rookie seventh rounder DeMarco Hellams, I think, is, is clearly in there as well. We also saw Mike, Micah Abernathy, the Futures contract practice squad player from last year, getting some snaps with the starters uh, and OTAs and stuff like that. So I think he's clearly in this group. And then recent XFL signing Lucas Dennis, who is one of the best safeties in the XFL. I think he's probably going to be in this group by the time it's all said and done as well. Um, with Jalen Hawkins, I the team seems to really like him still. And, and I think he's one of the primary safeties. Like if they're going to play three safety looks, he's probably going to be out there. Maybe, you know, if they, if they move Richie Grant to that sort of Chauncey Gardner Johnson slot role at some point, you know, for some packages or some plays. And I think Hawkins would be coming in to play the other safety spot. So I, I do think Hawkins is probably close to safe. I don't think it's quite as much as like D Alford was safe in this group, but I think he's one of the safer players. The one thing is that if say like Micah Abernathy or Lucas Dennis gives you like 90% of Hawkins or more, you could save 2.7 million by moving on from Hawkins. So if they're looking to claw back some cap space or they just don't feel like he's that much better than the next guy, then I think you that's a potential way to create some space if they're trying to make a move or if they just want to have some extra flexibility. So Hawkins does need to need to prove that he's worth the extra money this year, but it's not a ton of cap space and the Falcons honestly have enough space to do basically whatever they want and they can create any space they want with restructures so that it's not really necessary for them to, to make a cut, but that could be a consideration when, when it comes down to final cuts. Um, DeMarco Hellams is the rookie. We talked about him a lot on the draft shows. I like Helms. I think he's maybe more of the, like the Richie Grant box safety backup. He Helms is, I think, a little bit more geared towards the box. He is a physical, physical safety. I think his nickname was like the Punisher or something at Alabama. But all, honestly, like he's not super athletic, but I think he's very sound technically. I think he has good instincts and in coverage. I just think he's he's not someone you want matched up with receivers, and he's probably not someone you want matched up with top top receiving, you know, athletic tight ends either. I think he's more of a box run stuff focused guy. And I think if he has to play coverage, you know, zone is probably where he's best. I think he's, he's got some ability to do that, but I don't think he's high up on the athletic scale. So he's someone that probably needs to be protected a little bit with his coverage responsibilities, but he's physical. He's a great run defender. I think if you keep him in the box, he'll be fine in coverage. And I think, you know, that probably makes him more of a depth piece, maybe a third safety as his ceiling. But I think he can be a good one, especially with his run support ability, you know, against certain offenses that are run heavy. You might want Helms out there over some of these guys. You might want him as the third safety instead of Jalen Hawkins because of what he brings against the run. So having that ability to be a such a plus player against the run, it gives him more of a specialist label. And I think that could lead to him getting some snaps in certain packages and situations. And of course, he can play all three safety spots. He he did, you know, he played in the box. He played cover two. He played deep. He did all that at Alabama. He was trusted to, to, to handle basically all the responsibilities at the NFL level. I don't think deep safety is going to be great for him, but he's experienced. He, he has a lot of ability to do all those things. So he's a great depth piece for that reason. Also, um, Micah Abernathy, I don't know too much about, to be honest. I know he, he was a futures contract signing had been on the practice squad, I believe last year. I haven't seen much from him. He has played sparingly in the NFL, so he does have some NFL experience under his belt. Um, the, the team seems to view him as one of their top depth guys. He was playing, I think, when 
Jesse Bates and Richie Grant or Jesse Bates and Jalen Hawkins were not present at one of the OTA sessions. So Abernathy was the next guy up at that point. So I think he's someone that's certainly in the mix here. Uh, but otherwise, I don't know a ton about him. And then we have Lucas Dennis, who, again, I, I saw a little bit of in the XFL. Looked like a ball hawk, looked like a good safety. It's the XFL, so it's hard to know how close is that to the NFL. Is it going to translate? But I like that they're they, they're taking shots on some of these XFL guys um, that may have fallen through the cracks in the NFL to, and give them another chance in camp to see if, if they can do something. I do think Dennis has, has a legit chance to prove that he is NFL caliber. Uh, and and win a spot on this roster. But I think also practice squad would be a great place to, to have a guy like Lucas Dennis too. So, you know, I think these four guys, probably two of the four, maybe three are making it. But I, I think this group is, is really promising depth. I, I like all these guys to some extent. Micah Avenatti is the one I have the most questions about, but the team seems to like him. So I think he's got a legit chance as well. Um, the final group here, the squad competitors. I have two guys, two UDFA types, um, Natrone Brooks and then Clifford Chapman. And these are two guys that I don't know where they're going to play. So it's tough for me to, to sort of parcel them out. Clifford Chapman, I think is six, five, like two twenty. He's huge, big, big secondary player. I don't know if they're going to make him more of like a Trey Flowers type who's like a tight end, big receiver specialist, or if they're going to make him more of like a strong safety. We'll have to see where they end up playing him. I don't have a ton of intel on him. And then Natrone Brooks, he's the opposite. I think he's like 5'10", 5'11", under 200 pounds, free safety type guy, maybe slot corner type guy. And again, I'm not really sure where they're going to deploy him. But with the depth that I've mentioned with all these other guys that we've talked about, I think it's going to be really hard for these guys to crack the roster. I think these are more like developmental, long-term project types. But I do think they're both intriguing. And and if they really show out in camp, obviously anyone can can make a play and play really well in the camp in the preseason and then make a claim to a roster spot. So it's not like they don't have a chance, but I think they have the longest odds of, of anyone in this group of, of actually making the 53. But again, I think they're legitimate competitors for the practice squad where teams are more likely to stash those high upside guys as opposed to just sticking with veterans. Um, because you've got time to develop them in theory. Uh, hopefully they don't get called up, you know, the next week. But I, I think that these guys are both really interesting um, and, and we'll see what happens in terms of where they play and, and how much noise they can make in training camp in the preseason this year. Uh, so there you have it, guys. That's the secondary cornerback and safety for the Falcons. Two pretty intriguing groups. I think slot corner may be the most interesting battle to watch in camp of, of any of these positions. But I think that the safety group behind the top two and, of course, the outside corner battles and, and the depth cornerback is, is going to be pretty pretty heated for the first time in a while. So this is, these are two of the more interesting groups. I think on defense, these are going to be ones we're talking about quite a bit as we get into training camp, especially the preseason when these guys are getting a lot of opportunity to play. So uh, pretty excited here. Uh, we've got one more training camp preview show to do. That will be linebacker and special teams. And then it'll be the roster projection. And then it'll be training camp week guys. So we are getting closer and closer. We're almost there. Thanks once again, for tuning in to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. Appreciate all you guys. Uh, if you're interested in helping our travel fund, it's streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. You can also do Venmo on my Twitter account, at Kevin. There's a link uh, attached to the Twitter account there. We appreciate all that, guys. Thank you so much to everyone who has donated. 
And please like and subscribe if you enjoyed the episode on YouTube. If you're listening on your podcast platform, leave us that five-star review. really helps us out. Uh, and leave a comment. If you got questions, if you've got uh, players that you like in the quarterback and safety groups, drop those comments in there on YouTube. And I will I usually try to respond to some if, if I get a chance. Uh, and I appreciate that. It helps appease the algo gods. So, you know, whatever. But guys, thank you again so much. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. You can follow the show at Falcoholic Live. Check out the community Discord server the link to which is in the show description. And if you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, getting some exclusive perks, including our patron fantasy leagues that are firing up here right around the time, uh, right around the end of the month, patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live. Uh, guys, today's show was brought to you by Bet Online. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We will see you next time on the Dirty Birds of Brews podcast. Have a great day, folks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.